if they had what we would define, and I can tell you as a lawyer, I've defined as reasonable suspicion to believe that this man had done something. There are times under Georgia law where you can make a citizen's arrest. But under the circumstances here of getting your gun, your father getting a gun, you're running and chasing after this man down the street. He's running away from you all. And you try to make the jury understand this. And that is where I said to him, hey, look, the police is coming. And he took off running. So what you're trying to convey there to the jury is that this guy had done something wrong. And again, that in and of itself was not enough. That was not even reasonable suspicion. That wasn't reasonable justification for these men to take the law in their own hand, to act as though they were vigilantes, to act as though that they had the right to arrest this man because they couldn't arrest him for anything. Even if law enforcement would have come on that scene, there would have been no reason to arrest this man. All that they saw and all that he had on him was his clothes. He had no property belonging to anybody. There was no crime that had happened that they were cognizant of. All they knew is that there were people breaking in the home and that he fit the description in one of those occasions on February the 11th of someone who had been into one of those homes. But that was all. That in and of itself is not enough to murder somebody. And this is what we've seen here and, and heard this afternoon. We've heard a murder, Neil, a murder of a young black kid jogging through a neighborhood. I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is News. Hey, everybody. This is Manny Faces, producer, audio editor, and host of the multi-award-winning Newsbeat podcast. We mix the realms of independent journalism, music, and hip-hop to shine some much-needed light on underreported and far too often flat-out ignored social justice issues. Now, quick reminder, we've recently launched a Substack newsletter. So if you enjoy what you hear in this episode, you'll definitely want to subscribe at newsbeat.substack.com. Not only is it free, but subscribing ensures you never miss new episodes and bonus content from the Newsbeat team. And as always, we'd love if you follow the show, rate and review us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, Podchaser, Stitcher. We're in all the places. Now, I had this whole monologue prepared where I was going to discuss how most people probably consider citizen's arrest as some fictitious thing that only exists in movies or TV or weird backwoods, sleepy Mayberry and the Andy Griffith show. But alas, The Daily Show beat me to it. In the criminal justice system, there are laws. And then there are laws that are dumb and make no sense. These are their stories. We're now learning more about why Glenn County Police never arrested either of the two men involved in the shooting death of 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery. Now, District Attorney Barnhill states in this letter that both men are protected under Georgia's citizen's arrest law. Citizen's arrest? I thought that was just some bullshit people said on TV. But in real life, a citizen's arrest ain't no Barney Fife shit. You are an individual that's 20-some-odd years of age, and individuals are running after you, blocking you in with cars. That's called hunting. That's the wild, wild west that we talked about. Friends, the bottom line is these archaic laws are actually still on the books right now in 2021, and they have real consequences and extremely racist roots. 
In fact, as our guest, Dr. Alan Singer, a Hofstra University professor of teaching, learning, and technology, breaks it down for us in this episode, there are literally modern-day extensions of the very same racist hate that fueled the Confederacy and the KKK. And these same horrid laws are what's being used as this sick, twisted defense of three men who tracked, followed, assaulted, and ultimately shot to death Ahmaud Arbery in Georgia, who was guilty of nothing more than jogging while black. <sighs> okay, I get heated when I talk about this, so forgive me, or don't. Either way, I'm going to pass the mic now to Professor Singer, who will explain this for you way, way better than I can. This is From Slave Patrols to Ahmaud Arbery, The Racist Legacy of Citizens' Arrest Laws. The idea of citizens' arrest actually dates back to 13th century Europe, and it's brought to British North American colonies along with English common law. In the British colonies and the new United States, citizens' arrest melded with efforts to prevent escaped enslaved Africans from finding freedom. You have citizens' patrols, slave patrols are all designed to prevent Africans from escaping. In 1704, we begin to see the start of modern policing. Sometimes called patrollers or patty rollers, the name that would come to best describe them was slave patrols. Slave patrols. These groups of armed, horse-mounted white men would patrol settlements and plantations, slave hunting down runaway enslaved people and terrorizing black people to deter revolts. Slave they were organized, publicly funded, ruthless, and laid the foundation for policing as we know it today. Slave patrols. During the Civil War, the slave patrol system breaks down because in places like Georgia, what had been the vigilante patrols are now part of the Confederate Army. They're basically sent up to Virginia to defend Richmond against the United States forces. In Georgia, in 1863, because the sense that the patrols are gone and out of concern that Africans will seek freedom at the Union Alliance. They pass a law, which they called citizen's arrest, which is designed so that any white person can stop and arrest any black person under the suspicion that they are escaped slaves. So the modern citizen's arrest law comes out of that Georgia codification to prevent Africans from seeking freedom in slavery days. Today, there's only 49 American states that have citizens' arrest laws, and they differ from each other, sometimes wildly. In Virginia and Vermont, a citizen can arrest another if they've already been charged with a crime punishable by death or with a prison sentence of at least a year. While in South Carolina, a citizen can arrest and, if necessary, kill someone who's committing a felony, who's carrying stolen property, who's broken into a house, or is breaking into an outhouse with a view to plunder. Oh, and it also must be, for some reason, during the night. Daylight robbery or outhouse plundering is apparently fine. If some of that language seems antiquated, that's because South Carolina's citizens' arrest laws are 154 years old. Again, the idea of citizens' arrest actually predated the formation of the country. My take is that its spread is rooted in fugitive slave laws passed in 1793 and 1850. To begin, all of it goes back to the Constitution. Article 4 of the Constitution has a clause that we call the Fugitive Slave Clause, which orders states to deliver up fugitives from labor 
the euphemism for runaway slaves when they are requested by slaveholders. That clause gets translated into the first 1793 statute, which is a civil statute about the returning of these fugitives from labor. That was a law that wasn't well enforced according to Southern slaveholders. They complained about it bitterly, especially in the 1840s. And that's what led to the creation of the 1850 Fugitive Slave Act that was part of the Compromise of 1850. This 1850 statute, this was much tougher than the earlier one. The 1850 Fugitive Slave Law allowed marshals to deputize any citizen in the area to help to capture freedom seekers trying to escape from slavery. And this was put into federal law because the South is already threatening in 1850 to leave. Now, to buy off the South and get them to accept that slavery didn't belong in the Western territories, the South is given this uh, cookie. What happens under the federal law, if a black person is suspected of being a slave, they could be grabbed by bounty hunters and anybody in the vicinity could be deputized to help capture them and turn them over to authorities. Now, one of the things that's ironic is that a free black in the North could be deputized as well. Now, that aspect of citizen's arrest actually backfired because what happened under the Fugitive Slave Act is you began to get open armed resistance to the law. But the reality is that federal fugitive slave law basically spreads citizen's arrest and the obligation to participate in citizen's arrest across what constitutes the United States in the 1850s. It's been used in recent times to justify white vigilantism. And we see it in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where a 17-year-old white kid with a submachine gun claims he's defending property from Black Lives Matter ralliers and ends up shooting three, killing two. 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, who was seen on video shooting three people Tuesday night on the streets of Kenosha. So it's a very dangerous law because what it does is it basically justifies vigilantism and then everybody just claims citizen's arrest, self-defense, stand your ground. Now to a deadly shooting that's inflamed racial tensions in a Georgia community. Tonight, video has surfaced of an African-American man being chased down and killed. His family says he was just out jogging. This cell phone video captures the final moments of Ahmaud Arbery's life while he was jogging through this Brunswick, Georgia neighborhood in February. Arbery was confronted by Gregory McMichael and his son Travis, who shot Arbery twice with a shotgun before the 25-year-old collapsed and died. Arbery's mother, Wanda Jones. Proves that my son was not committing a crime. He was out for his daily jog and he was hunted down like an animal and killed. Gregory McMichael was the only witness in the police report. He told investigators he thought Arbery was a burglary suspect and ordered him to stop. 
emotionally charged trial of three white men accused of murdering Ahmaud Arbery last year is underway in Brunswick, Georgia. Prosecutors say the McMichaels assumed the worst when they spotted Arbery walking out of an open construction site while jogging in the neighborhood. All three of these defendants did everything they did based on assumptions. There's absolutely no evidence in this case that anyone was making an arrest. Not one single defendant said Mr. Arbery had a weapon. Not one single defendant said Mr. Arbery made any verbal threats or gestures. Mr. Arbery said nothing during the five minutes he ran from the defendants. No one, not one single defendant said, I saw him commit the crime of blah, blah, blah today. Mr. Brian was on his front porch. Travis McMichael was sitting inside his living room. Greg McMichael was in his driveway. What's your emergency? There's a black male running down the street. No one said, I was making a citizen's arrest today. Not one single person used those words. Ahmaud Arbery's death is one of multiple flashpoints this year that made people question whether or not the foundation of America's justice system is equality or racism. I think to truly understand the citizen's arrest laws in 2020, first it's important that we understand the state of Georgia in the year 1723. Georgia had the greatest number of plantations of any state and literally slave labor was the foundation of Georgia's economy. There was a deliberate effort to start slave breeding. And so after a certain point of time, you looked around and then you had an enormous um, enslaved population that outnumbered um, the white plantation owners and their families. Amid all of this, Georgia was also defending its right to enslave people and creating laws in line with that ideal through the newly created Confederate States of America. Georgia has an interesting history related to slavery days. It is the first state in the United States to take its common law and to codify it. The task was done by a, uh, a lawyer their name Thomas Cobb. Now Cobb is a, a lawyer, a slaveholder. He's also the author of racist texts, who becomes a Confederate officer and then dies during the early stage of the civil of the Civil War. Now what Cobb did is in 1861, he organizes Georgia law. The citizens arrest component is added two years later. Now after the end of uh, the Civil War, we have the passage of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, which outlaws slavery, but racism and citizens' arrest did not stop. Former Confederate units morphed into the Ku Klux Klan. Armed white vigilantes, under the cover of citizens' arrest, were able to terrify African Americans into accepting a new form of subservience. 1868, this is three years after the war, there were over 300 reported cases of the Klan murdering or attempting to murder Georgia's black citizens. Between 1877 and 1950, there were almost 600 documented lynchings in the state of Georgia. The murder of Ahmed Arbery is a continuation of racist vigilante violence by whites against African-Americans and legal injustice. And we've seen this in the United States in the murder of George Floyd, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, and then Ahmed Arbery. I viewed the video of the encounter as had millions of other people. The three defendants 
cut off Audrey, who was jogging while black in a rural area outside of Brunswick, Georgia. We see the father and son get in a white truck and follow Arbery. There's no public video showing what happened next, but Gregory later told police they followed Arbery down Satilla Drive toward Burford Drive. They followed Arbery down Burford and tried to cut him off. Arbery turned around and started running back towards Satilla Drive. At this point, another neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, joins in the chase. The police report says Roddy Bryan tried to stop Arbery and block him in. The chase continues around the neighborhood for a few minutes. At some point, Roddy starts recording on his cell phone. We see him following Arbery around the trees. The McMichaels are stopped just ahead of Arbery. The 25-year-old is now trapped between the two cars and the three men. While Roddy adjusts the camera, we hear shouting in the background. Gregory McMichael had called 911 from the bed of the truck, and Travis was now outside of the truck with his shotgun in hand. The video shows Arbery going around the right side of the truck to avoid Travis. Travis moves and meets Arbery in front of the truck. Hello. The 911 call goes dead. Travis shoots Arbery and we see the two of them struggling towards the left side of the vehicle. Arbery and Travis struggle with the gun out of the frame. We hear the second gunshot and a plume of smoke. The two struggle back into frame. We hear a third gunshot before Arbery collapses. They cut him off with their cars. They attempted to seize him. And when he resisted, the younger McMichael shot him. Now, they acknowledge first that they did not see him committing any crime. So they had no right to stop him. And second, well, Ahmaud Arbery was laying dying on the ground. They make racist remarks. If the claim of citizen's arrest is invalid, and it is in this case because they did not witness a crime, then their claim of self-defense is also invalid because Arbery, who was defending himself from assault, not them, and they are guilty of murder. I think the racist laws are, are very widespread in the United States. We still live with their repercussions. One of the things that's interesting is that after the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, Georgia passed hate crime legislation and its citizen's arrest law was overwhelmingly repealed in its current form by a Republican-controlled legislature and signed by a Republican governor. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp signed a bill today weakening a Civil War-era citizen's arrest law. The State House and Senate passed the bill by overwhelming margins after video surfaced showing the fatal shooting of 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery last year in Brunswick, Georgia. Now, a new law does permit citizens arrest in some cases, including by off-duty police officers. The new law requires that in case of citizen arrest, officials must be contacted within a reasonable amount of time or else the person must be released. While signing the new bill, Governor Brian Kemp conceded that Georgia was replacing a Civil War era law ripe for abuse. That's a quote. Today we are replacing a Civil War era law ripe for abuse with language that balances the sacred right to self-defense of a person and property with our shared responsibility to root out injustice and set our state on a better path forward. What the McMichaels and uh, Brian are claiming is that they should be bound by their original racist law 
and therefore they had a right to do what they did. We now have institutionalized police forces and there is no longer a need for citizens arrest. Now, some uh, lawmakers argue that the citizens arrest law protects off-duty police officers who witness a crime and therefore need to make an arrest in their role as citizens rather than their role as police. I think that could be handled and we could get away with the broad stroke citizens arrest law. But again, there are other laws that fit into this. The stand your ground law in uh, Florida that was used as a defense by Zimmerman after he murdered Trayvon Martin is part and parcel of that racist legal package. And that needs to be removed as well. George Zimmerman claims self-defense, as we mentioned, as his reason for shooting Trayvon Martin. He's relying on a controversial Florida law called Stand Your Ground to protect him from prosecution. Zimmerman followed Martin against the wishes of a dispatcher he was talking to on the phone. Are you following him? Yeah, okay, we don't need you to do that. And initiated the confrontation. If you are the person who is con is confronting another individual or pursuing another individual, then you are not the type of person who is meant to be covered by the Stand Your Ground law. There's been big right-wing pushback against the Black Lives Matter movement and efforts to change uh, citizens' arrest laws. In Wisconsin, Rittenhouse has been declared a hero by certain groups. In the meantime, tonight, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial continued today in Wisconsin. In a move that surprised lawyers everywhere, Rittenhouse took the stand in his own defense. That is unusual in criminal cases, and it's especially unusual in murder trials. And the reason is simple, the stakes are too high. One wrong answer in a cross-examination, and you could wind up spending life in prison. But this case was different. By the time he testified today, Kyle Rittenhouse had already won the case. At this point, there was no remaining doubt that Kyle Rittenhouse acted in self-defense during the riots last summer in Kenosha. And in Georgia, the McMichaels and Brian have been lauded as heroes. So this is not going to be an easy transition because it's become a political football. You know, when I think about citizens' arrest, because technically, you could have three black men stop a white guy, argue citizens' arrest, and if he resists, they could shoot him, which is what happened in Georgia. Can you imagine? I can't think of one case in the United States where African-American men have been able to citizens' arrest a white guy. Can you imagine if they killed him? On some of the standing your ground cases, the, where blacks have argued they were standing their ground because they felt threatened, that defense did not wash in their trials. This is a racist law that has been implemented in racist terms and is supported by racist movements. Well, there it is. As I mentioned earlier, this stuff hits me hard, and I always learn so much from working on these episodes. Thank you to our managing editor, Rashed Mian, and our editor-in-chief, Christopher Tawarski, for the great interview with Dr. Singer. Uh, and a huge thank you to you for listening. 
I want to remind you that if you were touched or moved or inspired, or as I mentioned for myself personally, if you learned something from this episode, please follow the Newsbeat podcast wherever you listen to your favorite pods. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, we're on all the platforms. And I'd ask that you subscribe to our free Substack newsletter to get that delivered straight into your inbox, along with links to our episodes, bonus content, and so much more at newsbeat.substack.com. You can always visit usnewsbeat.com for previous episodes, extended guests and artist bios, more info about us, who we are, what we do, why we do it. And feel free to email us any thoughts, suggestions, or compliments at usnewsbeat at gmail.com. Now, we know that issues such as racist citizens' arrest laws, mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and so many others that we cover are heavy subjects. And so when we get a chance to maybe inject a little bit of the lighter stuff in there, we try. Now, typically, much of that comes from my incredibly brilliant and witty humor. But in this particular case, we're going to leave you with a little bit of verse dropped by our guest, Professor Alan Singer, who explained to us that a whole lot of his students know him as Reese's Pieces, as he likes to create rhymes for a lot of the topics he covers in class. Now, respectful disclaimer, as longtime listeners will know, our full episodes feature incendiary verses performed by an ever-growing roster of brilliant independent hip-hop artists. Shouts to our artists in residence Silent Night, for example. For new listeners, I just want to clarify, this is not that. <laughs> but what this is, is a hell of a lot of heart from an extraordinary educator who teaches these historical truths, not just in words, but through hip-hop-inspired prose. And that is definitely something that we can dig. So, once again, my name is Manny Faces. On behalf of the Newsbeat, Mori Creative Studios, and Manny Faces Media production teams, thank you for listening, loving, and sharing the Newsbeat podcast. And now, Professor Singer, known to his students as Reese's Pieces, not to be confused with Eminem, as he likes to say, <laughs> will take us out. Peace, y'all. Time to tell the truth. U.S. history, racism pervades everything we see. Citizens' arrest ain't no thing. Made up lies. Blacks feel the sting. Georgia's law from slavery days. Today it supports racist ways. Ahmed Arbery, they killed a man. This is a trial of all the land. Are blacks too prejudiced while whites are free? Racist rhetoric created the jury. Jogging while black ain't no crime. Three murderers better do some time. Thank you. This is Reese's Pieces. <laughs>